Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Well, good morning again. It is great to see you this morning. I'm Father Morgan Reed. I'm the vicar here at Corpus Christi Anglican Church. And it is a joy to be worshiping with you, as I mentioned before, on this second Sunday of Advent, uh, our second Sunday in this new space as well. And as we think about this passage from Isaiah 40 this morning, let me pray for us as we begin. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, by whose providence your servant, John the Baptist, was wonderfully born and sent to prepare the way of your Son, our Savior, by preaching of repentance making us so to follow his doctrine and holy life that we may truly repent according to his preaching and after his example constantly speak the truth, boldly rebuke vice, and patiently suffer for the truth's sake. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, today's passages, um, Isaiah 40 and Mark chapter 1, are filled with hope. Hope for those who have lost hope. Is God going to make good on his promises? Is his word really going to stand forever? Does he still love us? Today's passage in 2 Isaiah is quoted in the gospel in reference to John the Baptist in the gospel of Mark. And there's this connection of the ministry of Isaiah and the ministry of John the Baptist. But it's a connection that is, it is a ministry of hope and of exhortation as to how to live into that hope when we think about John the Baptist. There is so much hope in Isaiah chapter 40. It is one of the most beautiful passages in the Old Testament. If you've been reading the daily office for the season of Advent, you've been doing morning prayer, you've been praying Isaiah 40, chapter, verse 3, every day. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That is uh, Isaiah 40, and it's the beginning of morning prayer during Advent. And if you've been doing evening prayer, then you've been quoting um, Jesus, who preaches in Mark 13, where he tells the disciples to stay awake, stay awake. And those themes of preparing the way of the Lord and staying awake form this really helpful bookend to what Advent is all about. Prepare the way of the Lord. Stay awake. And so if you go back in the book of Isaiah itself, back to chapter 12, there's this promise that's made that God would be angry for a time, but that ultimately he would comfort his people. That word comfort is really important. Comfort is not something, a word that is common in Isaiah chapters 1 through 39. It doesn't happen that often. It really only once significantly, and it's in chapter 12. And that comfort, though, finds fulfillment in Isaiah chapter 40, which begins very strongly, comfort, comfort my people. It's the fulfilling of Isaiah 12. And then it's mentioned several times when you read Isaiah 40 through 66. That word comfort shows up all over the place. Judah was eventually going to go into exile in Babylon, but God promised them that he would bring them out again. And this brings us to Isaiah 40, where the audience is assumed to be the exiled Judeans. 
uh, with a big question mark about hope. And Isaiah has predicted that God will bring them out. But there's this question in the soul of every person who's sitting in Babylon wondering, when are we going to go home? People are sitting in darkness in a foreign land, and you have some of the psalms written during this period. How can we sing songs in a foreign land? We hung up our, our harps on trees, etc. You know, this sort of language about how do we sing to God in a foreign land? When is the hope coming? And they're probably now wondering if it's going to come as well. So the chapter begins with a shout from God Almighty. Comfort, comfort. Comfort, which is the hope that Isaiah 12 was looking for. And it resonates again as God's voice of comfort echoes into the darkness that people are experiencing. It's this voice. Uh, and, And one of the heralds of the king now is also proclaiming. He's called to proclaim the good news of salvation, that God has come in victory to deliver his people to redeem them from captivity. So every hill should be made low, every valley should be lifted up, because a highway should be made for the king to ride through the desert in victory, like a second exodus from Babylon back home. God's glory is going to be revealed, and it's going to be seen by everyone. And that is what was spoken by uh, by God's own mouth in this passage. But Perhaps there are those who are still doubting. So, verse 6 is kind of like a voice of contention, representing those who are struggling to believe that God is going to do what he said he's going to do, that his glory is really going to come and be revealed. So as they sit in darkness, we hear their voice. Maybe you can relate. I mean, the holiday season is is pretty hard, actually, for, for a lot of folks. A few days after Thanksgiving, I looked at my phone and it reminded me um, of the passing away of of the the anniversary of the passing away of one of my dear friends about three years ago. And and suddenly I got really sad because that was about the time uh, just before our son was um, or after our son was born. And there are so many things that like I want to catch up with him about and tell him about and hear about. And I don't get to do that. And I know that as I look around you know, this room, I know that there are similar losses that people are experiencing. There's sort of an emotional intensity around the holidays that you don't experience outside the holidays, uh, except in you know, short spurts. The ones that we miss, there's, there's a sense of loss about relationships, or we're experiencing relationships that we do have that are really difficult for us. And so while God shouts comfort into the darkness, There are many who are going to struggle to believe whether God is truly going to bring the comfort that he promises. So here another voice cries out. All flesh are like grass. They're like the flower of the field. It springs up, then it withers. Which speaks to us of the transitory nature of people's circumstances and the many changes that we go through the circumstances in life. As long as we are in this world, the only constant is change. The the wilderness is our reality, and the darkness will be always crouching nearby us, but there's hope. And hope is not whether we feel good about how today went or, or we feel good right now. That's not where hope lies. Our hope is more profound than that. And so verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. 
The word of our God will stand forever. It didn't die with the death of Isaiah or the exile of the nation. Hope is still there because it's God's word that's going to stand forever. It does not depend on people. Not Isaiah's word, not the people's good fortunes, God's promises. His covenant love for his people, his commitment to guide them through the wilderness are all the foundations of hope that remain when everything else is stripped away and we feel like we're in the dark night. So the shout of comfort, comfort my people is the word that is going to stand forever. This word of hope lasts beyond the exile's return. The point of Isaiah 40 is to confirm the truth of the divine word. And even though it's fulfilled during the Babylonian exile, again, there is a real transitoriness and a real fragility to human circumstances uh, and the lives of God's people. So while the wilderness was done in some ways for them, it really wasn't done in other ways. Similar language shows up again after they return in the book of Malachi towards the end where God says he is going to send his messenger to prepare the way of the Lord. So here Isaiah 40 to one group, and later Malachi 3 to a different group. The prophecy of comfort that Isaiah prophesied had implications far beyond what Isaiah could have imagined. And that brings us to the gospel passage. We have hope in the word of God from the reading of Isaiah, and then the gospel invites us into the narrative of John the Baptist. To live out that hope. One Old Testament scholar said, In a word, the salvific significance of Jesus Christ was understood in the light of Old Testament prophecy, while conversely, the Old Testament promised, uh, promise gained its true meaning from the revelation of Christ in the fullness of God's time. And so all of this hope and the enduring word of God pointed, probably unbeknownst to the authors themselves, to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus came, and he overcame Satan's temptations in the wilderness. He, his death destroyed death itself, so that when we walk through the wilderness, we walk with Christ, our brother, who is intimately acquainted with our suffering, and he walks with us, guiding us into heavenly virtue, acquainting us with the love of God, the God who loves us. And so, today's gospel passage literally takes us to the desert. Remember, we talked about preparing a way in the desert. In the gospel, we find ourselves in the desert, where we see a herald who's bringing good news. And we discover the beginning of the proclamation of God's salvation, the good news of Jesus Christ, in the desert with John the Baptist, who's calling people to repentance. That's the beginning of the good news. Hope has come. And so this question John forces us to ask is, how are we preparing for it? How are we preparing for it? Preparing isn't something that can be done last minute. Um, I don't know what your routine is for going to the dentist, but I used to brush my teeth right before going to the dentist as if that was going to help anything. Uh, imagine you know, having terrible brushing and flossing habits for six months, for a whole year, however long you go to see the dentist. And then when the day comes, you think, well, I'm just going to do a, a quick little brush before I pop out the door. The dentist will never know. And, and you know, you're not hiding anything when that happens, right? Uh, so actually, I stopped brushing my teeth immediately before I go to the dentist. 
Because if I did it the night before or if I did it that morning, it's, it's fine. It's good enough. Like, they're going to clean anything else off for me. Uh, it's the habits that I did all this time that are going to matter. Uh, the last five to ten hours is not going to make a difference. Why waste my time, right? Uh, so with the right preparation, I really don't need to be concerned with what happens in those last few hours before I arrive at the dentist. Preparation is a lifetime of cultivating habits to meet our Lord of hope. Preparation is a life of cultivating habits to meet the Lord of hope. And, and it can't wait until the last minute. This is the stay awake language that we hear. People have been going to the desert to discover the good news of God's kingdom. And when they get there, John is encouraging them to turn from sins and amend their lives towards virtue and towards the character of God uh, in no uncertain terms. I mean, imagine an evangelistic sermon where I say, beware, the axe is laid at the root of the tree. <laughs> you know, who warned you to flee from the, from the wrath to come? Like, that's uh, not very seeker sensitive, but this is where we find John the Baptist in the wilderness, encouraging people to repent, to put on the love of God. And as the New Testament writers are going to later reflect on the idea of preparation for the Lord's return, they're going to use this idea of keeping awake in a world that's asleep, in a world that's unprepared for his return. So how do we keep awake? It's a question. How do we keep awake? And I think one of the ways that we do that is to embrace the fact that life is a journey through the desert, this space where God is attuning us to our false comforts and where he's introducing us to his character. Embrace the desert. That's where we find uh, where God takes away false comfort and where he attunes us to his character. We start with hope that the word of the Lord stands forever and his promises never fail and his mercies never come to an end for those who are in Christ. And that hope has to be reimagined in every single season and trial that we walk through. There's one church father named the Venerable Bede, and he's, he connects God's saving acts in the Exodus to what God is doing in the desert in Mark chapter 1. He says this, And when the people had been liberated from Egypt by the blood of the Lamb and had been led through the Red Sea, the Lord first instructed them for 40 years in the desert and so led them into the land of promise. Surely the faithful cannot pass immediately after to the joys of the heavenly fatherland, but first they must be trained by long struggles in the exercise of virtues, and then they'll be granted the abiding gift of heavenly blessedness. So God came in power to deliver his people from Egypt and, and brought them into the desert where they faced trials over and over again to learn dependence. In that desert, he showed them his character as they learned obedience together. And Isaiah 40 is calling those in exile to await the advent of God, where God's going to come again in glory to bring them home on the highway that's prepared for them to go through the desert on their journey back. And John is in the desert, and he's reminding them that God's advent is coming in the person of Jesus Christ. And they're to prepare the, way, the highway in the desert by preparing their hearts for repentance and receiving the grace of God. So the highway becomes situated in our hearts. You and I, then, we join together even now in this litany of God's saving acts that's been happening throughout Scripture and is still happening now. From Isaiah on, even earlier, from the Exodus on, 
We join this litany of God's saving acts as we long for the advent of God again. Christ, clothed in glorious garments, accompanied by the heavenly hosts, coming back to make all things new. And so come to the desert and find salvation. Come and discover the places that are broken as you walk through the desert, where shame is crouching at the door, where we are longing for God's comfort. Put off all the grumblings, all the wranglings, the bitterness, the hostility, the desire for vengeance, lusts and disordered affections, desires for power and prestige, or any other vice that's hindering us from experiencing fully the God who loves us and the one who saves us. Come to the desert and wake up to the fact that Christ is coming again. Come and listen for the ways that God's shouts of comfort, comfort my people are echoing into the darkness of the night. And then take heart because dawn is coming. So let's prepare the king's highway by preparing our hearts. Let us pray. O God, the source of eternal light, shed forth your unending day upon us who watch for you, that our lips may praise you, our lives may bless you, and our worship give you glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.